Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Right, praise God. I'd like to welcome everyone this morning. Um, thank you for taking out the time to be part of the, the online Kingdom Bible Seminar. I'm excited that you're tuned in, and I'm sure that God has got a word for every one of us. Amen. Praise God. Let's, let's get uh, started right here. Let's pray and get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach your word. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. The Holy Ghost lives big on my inside and grants me utterance. In Jesus' mighty name. We pray. Amen. Now, um, we started building yesterday on the fact that God, the love of God in our heart, expresses itself, releases itself in the love of our brothers and in obeying the Word of God. And so I'm going to patiently teach this morning on what it means to be born of God, to overcome the world. We're going to take this step by step, okay? Now, come with me to 1 John chapter 5. Praise God. 1 John chapter 5. And it's important for us to understand that what we're dealing with are apostolic building principles for our life. We're not just talking about faith for things. We're talking about faith that can help us execute the purposes of God. Amen. Now, go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God. And whoever, <coughs> excuse me, loves the father, loves the child that's born of him. So if you love God, that love has to translate to loving, praise God, the one that is also born of God. So there cannot be the expression of the love of God without community, without fellowship, without love. Praise God. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 2. By, by this we know that we, have, we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. So the love of God is expressed in two ways. Loving God and loving God is represented in obeying the commands of Jesus and loving the brethren. So if I say I love God, it's almost like an abstract term. It's, you, you know, if you, if you say I love God, the question is how do I measure your love for God? Now listen carefully to this. The measurement of your love for God is not just based on your activities in church. It's not just based on your zeal in church. The measurement of your love for God is released in two ways. It's released in obedience to the commands of God and love for the brethren. So I can test your love for God. I can test your love for God. So, I test your love for God by how much you obey the Word of God and how much you love the brethren. Praise God. Now, he goes on to say, 
For this is the love of God, that we keep the commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. That means, now, uh, a lot of people say, well, we're not under law, we're not under law anymore, we're under grace. Yes, but grace has rules. There are rules that govern grace. The, the difference is, these rules are not burdensome. It means that there is an enablement, praise God, to, to fulfill them. There is an enablement to fulfill them. It's not like we just walk into the New Testament and there's nothing. There's nothing. We, we don't do anything. No, I'm going to talk about that right now. Because if we are righteous but do not practice righteousness, you will find this. Right? It will be difficult to overcome the world. Because in overcoming the world, there is the aspect of practical righteousness. Praise God. Now, for this is the love of God. So the love of God is defined. And one of the things I love about the writings of John is that the, the fact that when John uses a concept, he defines the concept. So he talks about the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. And there's this big concept about, oh God, the love of God, the love of God. And John says, come on, this is it. This is the love of God. Define. You know, when he was writing, he said, this is eternal life, that you may know him. Praise God. He says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commands, and his commandments are not burdensome. That means, as opposed to the law, follow this now, as opposed to the law, the commandments of the New Testament are not a burden to keep. Why? Because there is now an enabling grace to keep them. Are you following this now? There is now an enabling grace to keep them. So they are not a burden to keep. It wasn't like the Old Testament where it was a burden for them to keep it. No, right now it's not burdensome. Why? Because He lives in us now. God lives in us to be able to keep and fulfill these laws. He says, I will write my laws in their hearts and I'll give them a new spirit and I'll cause them, look at that word, I'll cause them to work in my laws. So, the God causing us to walk in His laws is grace given to us to fulfill the law. Any believer who is caught up in sin is a believer who has not used his authority and his will to overcome sin. Absolutely, sin is defeated. Sin has been dealt with. Praise God. But just as righteousness is a gift and you have to accept and walk in it, that's how you have to deal with sin also. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Now he says, for whatever is born of God, and we dealt with the issue of being born of God, which we are going to build on this morning, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has, past tense, this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And, we, and I talked about uh, the Gnostic teaching where they denied Jesus being manifested in the flesh and John was dealing with this. Okay? Now, let's go to First uh, John chapter 4 and verse 15. Praise God. First John chapter 4 and verse 15. Whoever, now listen to this now, we, we, we're, we're standing from, uh, <coughs> we're standing to build from where we stopped yesterday regarding the concept of being born of God. And we need to really understand that. 
What happened to us at New Bern? What happened to us at New Bern? The reality of the fact that we're the sons of God. And that is foundational to our overcoming the world. Praise God. Okay. Now, First uh, John 4, 13. By this, okay, we know that we abide in Him. Now, let's go to verse 11. Verse 10. Uh, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Can you see that now? Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, I must, I must draw a line here. This is not love according to your own terms. This is love according to the Word of God. Okay? By this, the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be the atonement for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see, it will be difficult for you to walk in love if you have not understood the love of God. And we've heard the love of God preached, we've read about it, but if we have not comprehended the dimension of the love of God in our own life and appropriated that in our own life, it will be difficult for us to walk in love towards another one. Okay. Now, it says, verse 12, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. Observe that word. And His love is perfected in us. So God abides in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. Can you see this? It says, and this is, I mean, this looks simple but this is massive. This is the whole of redemption in two verses. It says, God loved us and sent His Son to die for us. And the fact that His Son has died for us and we accepted that love, God now abides in us. That means God lives in us. That changes everything about who you are. That changes everything about the way you approach decisions. That changes, you see, if you're conscious of the fact that God lives in you, it'll be difficult for you to sin. You just have to be conscious of that fact. That's the fact that Joseph was conscious of. He says, I fear God, and I will not be able to do this evil thing against my master. And come on, that guy didn't have the Holy Spirit. That guy didn't have the Bible. He didn't have a church. But he understood the fear of God. The scripture says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. When you see a believer who is misbehaving in conduct, that believer has not grown in his consciousness of the fact that God now abides in him. So, to, to, that, to that believer, and I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about this now because this is one of the keys to us overcoming. To that believer, God is somewhere. And I'm somewhere. And so I can do whatever I want right now. And I'm not conscious of God. 
I'm not conscious of God. Look at what happens here. It says, by this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. So the Holy Spirit that He has given to us is the proof that we are the sons of God and that God abides in us and we abide in Him. The mechanism for causing that to happen is the Holy Ghost. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, Father. <clears throat> Glory to God. Verse 16. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So it's the Holy Ghost that bears witness with our spirit that we're the sons of God. It's not the church you go to. It's not the, your pastor. It's not the sticker on your car. It's not the sticker on your door. It's not how big your Bible is. It's not the fact that you're in the choir. What bears witness that you are a child of God is the Holy Spirit. Is the Spirit of God. So when, when the Spirit of God came on the day of Pentecost, God sent forth the one who will bear witness. Praise God. Okay. Go to John chapter 4 now. Uh, am I right now? John 14. Go to John 14. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John chapter 14. I'll read from the NIV version. Let's read verse 23. John 14 verse 23. We're, we're trying to really understand what does it mean to be born of God. Before we talk about overcoming, and then we talk about the world, and then we talk about the faith that overcomes the world. Praise God. That, those will be our subsequent sessions. But we're still on this issue of being born of God and coming to comprehend and understand what really it means to be born of God. Now, John 14, 23. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. That's straightforward. That's straightforward. He says, Anyone who loves me. Can you see, right? Now, observe this now. Pay attention to this. This is good. Can you see that Jesus... Of the scriptures always equates love to obedience. Like it talks about the love of God, and the very next line is talking about obeying God. There is no love, listen carefully, there is no love for God that only ends in receiving from God. You know, it's like, oh, I know God loves me. He is he, going to, you know, take care of me. God is going to provide for me. God is going to do this. There is no love that is just going to do this, going to do that, going to do this, going to do that, going to do this, going to do that. There's also the love that says, what am I going to do? It's not only God that's going to do something for you. You've got to do something for God also. In obedience to his instruction. There is no love without obedience to instruction. Are you here? Because the concept of love that is being taught all over now is the fact that we can only receive. Oh, what can I do for God? Oh, I can only receive. Do you know God is counting on you to do something for Him? God is counting on you to preach the gospel. God is counting on you to plant churches. God is counting on you to spread His kingdom all over the earth. Yes, there is one in a million things you can do for God only if you are yielded to obeying the instructions of God. The relationship that God wants to have with us is a relationship of a co-laborer. Co-laboring with us to bear his purpose on the earth and that can only happen if we can overcome the system of the world. Praise God. And we're going to get into that. Praise God. Now, come on, are you still there? John fourteen twenty three. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. 
So Jesus equates the love of God to his to the obedience of his uh, uh, obedience to his teachings to his commands. Okay. Now, my Father will love them. And we, who is we here? Jesus and God. <laughs> and we will come to them and make our home with them. You know, people, you, people, you know, Christians are funny, like really funny people. Good funny. You know, um, you know, you like have a choir or maybe some person, the guy sings like, oh no, your presence is heaven to me. You know, your presence is heaven to me. And they just finish singing that. And then the pastor mounts on the pulpit and says, you know what, all of you, when you get to heaven, I mean, it's like, we just said your presence is heaven and now we want to go. There's just this confusion in our mind about where God is. You know, some people say, when I see Jesus face to face, I have questions. I have questions I'm going to ask him. Why don't you ask him now? He lives in you. Praise God. You see, if you constantly have the consciousness that God is somewhere, Jesus is somewhere, this, you, you would always not be able to overcome the world because your actions will be the actions of, I've got my own life and God is somewhere. If people would just be conscious that God lives in them, they will live a different life. Just that consciousness that I carry God, the Holy Ghost is here. You will not need anybody to monitor you whether you're sinning or not. You just be conscious of the fact. You know, people are conscious of the fact that God is with them when there's an accident. Right? Like, I cannot die. The Holy Ghost is in me. I cannot die. The Holy Ghost is in me. But when they want to sin, it's almost like the Holy Ghost has gone on break. He's gone for lunch break. And, and that's why we struggle with the concept, this whole concept of the world, the cosmos, the orderly arrangement of the systems of the earth. It is because we're sometimes too earthly conscious. And what I mean by that is we're so conscious of the world that we're not conscious of the fact that we carry the greater one on the inside of us. Let me show you this. The New Living Translation, John chapter 14. It says, Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. All who love me will do what I say. If you love me, you'll do what I say. Now, I want to I say this here, and, and that's very important because most times we confuse Christians for people who are really born again in terms of um, how do I put it now? Let me, let me clarify that. We confuse people in church for people who are born again. But not everybody in church is born again. Do you know why they call them Christians? Because they were behaving like Christ. Because they were behaving like Christ. It wasn't them saying, well, you know, we're the Christian, we're the first Christian church after Jesus. No. They saw their behavior and they said, these guys are behaving like Christ. They are behaving like followers of Christ. It was actually unbelievers that called them Christians. They didn't go about saying, don't you know I'm a child of God? Don't you know I go to this church? Don't you know I follow Jesus? No. They, their behavior told them. Now, if you were not to have your church sticker, if you're not to have a Bible, if you were not to have any of those things, will people still know that you're a Christian? Will people still know that you're a child of God? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes. Do we know? If you didn't confess that, would we be able to say that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Praise God forevermore. Okay. Now, now, now yeah, I want to say something. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and says, and, and I'm going to deal with this, right? I'm going to deal with this, and you need to follow me up there. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, I want to have eternal life. Good master. 
And Jesus says, go and sell all you have. You know, uh, obey the commandment. He said, I've done that since I was a young child. He says, go sell all you have and come follow me. The Bible says he turned away sad because he had great possessions. I was supposed to get to this on Sunday, but let me just show you here. That man did not have faith in Jesus. And it's very simple. If you love God and if you have faith, you would obey what Jesus said. Jesus says, go sell all you have and give to the poor and come follow me. The man turned away from that offer. It means he was only obeying the commandments of Jesus for his own good, not because he loved Jesus. And there are people like that who are just in church. They're just, just, just nice. But when God begins to speak to them about what will make them to overcome the world, there's no faith for that. So let me give you an example. What was the faith that would overcome the world in the life of that man? It was the faith to trust what Jesus had said to him. To say, listen, go sell all you have and come follow me. But that man could not overcome mammon. He could not overcome the love of money. He could not imagine in his mind, if I sell all of this and give to the poor, I'm going to be poor. <laughs> Praise God. And you know what? I don't want to be poor. And that man literally walked away from the opportunity to become a disciple of Jesus because he could not overcome the world. Do you follow this now? And that's what I'm talking about. That's what this whole seminar is about. Teaching you faith in God so when demands are made of you in the spirit, you can be able to obey God and walk away from certain things. And what that man was dealing with right there was the pride of life. It takes faith to overcome the pride of life. Well, I'm going to go get there. Let me not get ahead of myself. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. And that's why sometimes I have, I have a bit of issues with people who teach deliverance and the way they teach it. If God and the Father are making their home with you, how come evil spirits are still in you? God is not going to share his temple with evil spirits. You can be afflicted by demons that I don't think a believer, a genuine child of God, can be demon-possessed. Because you cannot have two spirits dwelling in you at the same time. Light and darkness cannot stay in the same place. And the reason I know this, the Bible says this light will shine in darkness and darkness cannot comprehend it. That word comprehend means that darkness cannot understand it. Glory to God. Come on, are you learning something now? Praise God. Revelation 19.13. Revelation 19.13. I saw this this morning and I was really excited. <laughs> Praise God. I've seen it before, but I saw it again. Talking about Jesus. <clears throat> describing Jesus. You know, yeah, I like this. It's fun. Let's read it. Revelation chapter 19 and verse... Uh, Revelation chapter 19 verse 13. Yeah, I like this. This is very nice. Those of you who would like to see Jesus one day, let's describe him. How Jesus is going to come. And I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. Man, Jesus doesn't have a car. He has a horse. And who, who sat on it is called faithful. <coughs> Praise God. And true. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. So, righteousness is a weapon of justice and warfare. If you read the book of Proverbs very carefully, you will see that the Bible talks about the things that the righteous will get. I mean, this is, this is good, 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 good. Righteousness is a weapon of justice and is a weapon of warfare. So when we also talk about spiritual warfare, we talk about people becoming, walking in consciousness of their righteousness. Praise God. Okay. His eyes are flame of fire. Woo! Jesus. And on his head are many diadems. 
And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. What name is this? He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. How many of you like Jesus coming on a horse, eyes red, mean, bam, names on his face. You can't even pronounce the names. And you know what? <laughs> and his, the robe he's wearing is dipped in blood. Like, I mean, how many of you would like to see Jesus that way? His robe is dipped in blood. But you know what? It's very easy. He summarizes it. He says, and his name is called the Word of God. His name is called the Word of God. So the Word of God just goes beyond what we're reading here. This is Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. So when he says that we were given birth to by the incorruptible word, he was talking about the fact that we were given birth to by Jesus himself, the firstborn among many brethren, the same seed of life. Come on, that's just an amazing reality that needs to sink into our spirits. Fear will disappear. He says, even though the robe was dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. John 1, 1, confess John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was God. There's no difference between God and His Word. And that's why the Scripture says, He called them gods to whom the Word came. Glory to God. Praise God forevermore. I mean, we just need to meditate on these things. Praise God. Wow. Glory, 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 glory to God. The Word of God is not just a collection of the books of the Bible. The Word of God is a person. His name is Jesus. And this is the Word that gave birth to us. This is the word that gave birth to us. We emanated from him. John chapter 1, you remember? Verse 11. As many as received him. As many that got a hold of the message and accepted the message. To them he gave power, uh, exousia, the legal right to become the sons of God. It's like when you take a child and you give him your name. When you give birth to a child. My child, well now these children change their father's name because the name doesn't sound swaggish. You know, but... Yeah, that's why you should have a good name. If not, your children are just going to change your name. You know, but when you give birth to a child, automatically that child bears your name. Your name is on that child. Your nature is in that child. Your nature is imparted to that child. That's why when you look at your children, if you have a child, you see some traces, right? It's like, oh, that child was behaving like me. That's how I am. You know, I talk a lot. I sleep a lot. Or I dance a lot or something. That trace is just there. And that's why you can see, for instance, you find some families, you know, the mother sings well. One of the daughters in the house sings. Their grandchildren, somebody will pick up singing. How is that thing being transferred? It's the DNA. It's the nature. It's the same thing. When we are born again, listen carefully to me, the nature of God is in us. Praise God. I said the nature of God is in us. If we are to open ourselves up, the DNA of the Father is there. This is good. Hallelujah. John 10, 35. Are you still here? Praise God. Say amen if you're here. John 10, 35. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, we be called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be set aside. He called them gods to whom the word came. He called them gods to whom the word came. The New Living Translation says, and you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, the people who received the message of God. And you know, this will change how we approach life. It will change how you see forgiveness. It will change how you see walking in love. It will change how you see longevity. 
I mean, I was so glad yesterday when we finished the meeting. Uh, I think yesterday when we were trying to set up, um, myself and my wife, we saw the picture of Marilyn Hickey. She was celebrating her 89th birthday. And next year, she's going to be 90 years. And she's still preaching. Glory to God. Glory to God. I mean, that's good news. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay. Now, 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. If you know that he is righteous, you also know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. You see it here. He is righteous. So one of the ways we can know the people born of him is that they practice righteousness. You see, the gift of righteousness that God is giving to you is to enable you to practice righteousness. And you have to take that down. God has given me the gift of righteousness. Of my own, I cannot become righteous. My works cannot make me righteous. But now God now gives me the gift of righteousness so that from that nature, I can practice righteousness. I say this, any believer who is living in sin is deliberately doing it. You have the capacity by the Holy Ghost for sin not to have dominion over you. And we need, to, we need to emphasize this now. We need to emphasize this. The practice of righteousness. You cannot be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and constantly tell lies. It's not consistent with the truth of the written word. It's not consistent with the truth of the written word. Praise God. Now, look at this. 1 John 3, 9. Anyone born of God refuses to practice sin. I'm using the... The literal Hebrew now. Everyone, literal Greek. Everyone born of God refuses to practice sin because God's seed abides in him. Right? He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. So you might, you might, you, some things might happen here and there that are sin, but you quickly get yourself back and say, Lord, I'm sorry about that. I repent, I confess, and you're faithful and just to forgive me. I receive forgiveness. I get back in line. I get back in line. You see, look at this. It says, if you, if you know that he is righteous, you also know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of God. That's 1 John 2.19. Now, 1 John 3.9 says, anyone who is born of God refuses, refuses to practice sin because God's seed abides in him. And that's what I want you to see. The seed of God is on your inside. You, you see, because... What, what, why I'm dealing with this and why this is very foundational to what we're talking about Jesus told them I have overcome the world so Jesus overcame the world and because we have received the Father that overcoming seed is already in us faith in that is what causes us to overcome the world praise God I said praise God okay anyone born of God refuses to practice sin because God's seeds abide in him he cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. Write this word down and go and meditate on it. Born of God. Born of God. You tell yourself all the time, I am born of God. Let that be more, uh, let that sink into your consciousness more than your natural heritage. More than which part of the country you're from. More than your earthly father. Let your, be more conscious of your heavenly father. You know, if you're not conscious of your heavenly father, the limitations of your earthly father will affect your life. You know, people always say this, well, this is the kind of father I heard. Well, but you have a heavenly father. 
The seed of God is in you. Why don't you learn more about your Heavenly Father? Why don't you fall in love more with your Heavenly Father? Why don't you get to know your Heavenly Father? Why don't you fellowship more with your Heavenly Father? If you see prayer as a way of fellowshipping with your Heavenly Father, you would love to pray. Why don't you ask your Heavenly Father? You, no, no, we do that. I don't even need to tell you why don't we ask. Because, man, we are asking guys. I mean, we've got lists. Oh, God, do this. Oh, God, do this. Oh, God, do this. You know, the more I work and the more I grow in my knowledge of God, the lesser my prayer point really reduces in terms of, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need that. I just realized something. As you fellowship with God, this is what I realized, and it's true. Take my words for it. This is what I realized. <clears throat> I mean, it's happening in my life. As I fellowship with God the more and just seek my mind to seek the kingdom, teach God's word, I mean, just walk. I just realized that certain things that just come as desire, I might just say, oh, I wish I had this. I mean, just casual desire. I mean, the, the, the stuff just shows up. I'm like, yeah, I didn't intentionally use my faith for that. But you know, as you keep fellowship with your heavenly father, your heavenly father knows the things that you need. He'll cause your path. He will order your path. I have, listen, I have absolute zero fear about the future. That is, if there's anything below zero, I have it. No one amount of fear like, what's going to happen tomorrow? Really? Tomorrow is going to be good. And someone say, well, what about if it's not good? We will overcome it and the next day will be good. There's nothing. There's no fear about the future, what's going to happen to the future of my children. There's no fear. What's the future in terms of ministry? We'll keep doing this stronger and more and more and more. What's the future of your life? It's getting better. And this is not just faith confession in terms of, I'm just confessing what everybody says. No, it's because what's going to happen is <clears throat> the, the older I get, the more I'm going to know my father more the more I'm going to fellowship with God more, the more the consciousness of who I am in Christ is going to grow. As I grow in my knowledge of God, you see, the, oh, praise God, the growth in my knowledge of God is the growth in the knowledge of who I really, who, how is that English be now? Who I really am, or who am I really, or who really I am. Whatever fits in, just put it in the blank, right? The more I grow in God, the more I know myself. The more I grow in God, the more I know myself. The more I grow in God, the more I know myself. As I behold the perfect law of liberty, I am being transformed into that same image. I cannot carry absolutely the image of God and be defeated on the earth. Glory to God. That's not possible. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Praise God. Well, our time is running and I've got to go. Go to First John chapter 2. Well, I didn't start early yesterday so I can close a bit late today and just make sure that Everything is fair, right? Praise God. Okay. First John uh, chapter 2. Man, this is good. First John chapter 2. Now, pay attention to this now. Pay attention to this. We're going to read verse 1. And then we're going to go to verse 12. My little children. Observe the word he uses there. Little children. I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So he is writing to children. He is writing to children, to babes. And I'll, I'll, I'll verify this as we go to verse 11. I am writing to you so that you may not sin. 
And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So, he says, I want to write to you that you may not sin. But in case you sin, you've got an advocate in the presence of Jesus. Then he uses the word the righteous. Because sin is, is dealing with that whole thing of righteousness. So, our advocate, Jesus stands as our advocate of righteousness. So when we sin, we confess our sin and our advocate, Jesus the righteous, goes into work on our behalf to cleanse us from our sins. Do you understand that? So the, the dimension of Jesus in that state of sin is that of Jesus the righteous. Okay, now go to verse... Well, let's just read everything. There's no way we're hurrying to anyway. Verse 2. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for us only, but also for those of the whole world. Verse 3, again, again, look at John's word. By these, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Do you see that? I mean, I challenge you. After this Bible seminar, go read the whole book of 1 John, 2 John, and look at 3 John, and look at how many times it talks about loving God, keeping his commandments, loving God, keeping his commandments. And John was called the apostle of love. He taught on love. He taught on love so much. <clears throat> I mean, he was the apostle of love. And church history had it that... Uh, <laughs> Daddy tried to kill him with a pot of boiling oil and the oil was dried and he did not die. That's why he was banished to the island of Patmos. You know what? I believe that John was so immersed in the love of God so much, the nature of God was so strong in his life that literally he could not be killed with a pot of boiling oil. And I'm telling you, when I want to fry plantain, I, 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 I mask myself as if there's COVID-19. Because, man, one drop of oil on my skin, it will be evident to the whole world that I've gone somewhere I shouldn't go to. I mean, that, <laughs> that's how we, we... And someone say, oh, pastor, it's not that literal. My friend, they dropped this guy in literal drum of oil and nothing happened to him. I, you know why? I believe that he immersed himself in love so much. And I want to tell you this. Listen to me very carefully. If you will keep your love walk intact, your health will spring forth speedily. There's nothing that makes people sick like anger, bitterness, malice. Listen carefully. Uh, bitterness in their system. Your new recreated human spirit was not designed to contain those things. They are toxic to your body. Anger. Bitterness. You know, you know, I, I, you know, I just resolved in my life, you know what? I'm going to be happy. I'm going to keep the joy of God. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Most people don't have strength because there's no joy. There's always something to be angry about. You know, uh, you know, the cockroach walk past and he's angry. Why is he only one cockroach walking past? There are supposed to be two. Every time there are two cockroaches, is a good sign. I mean, anger comes from there. The rain is falling, they're angry. They take light, they're angry. And you know what? Your spirit was not designed for those toxic emotions. And those things break down your body. There is no tablet in the hospital for those things. The tablet is God's word. God taking the word of God. And that's why David says, Oh my soul, why that downcast? Hope thou in God and rejoice. And I've said this to people. Every time you're feeling bad, keep speaking the word of God. If you do that all the time, listen, it's going to impact joy into your spirit. You're feeling sad. Man, things are not going well. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Or say, come on, you know what? Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Or say, Father, I thank you. All things are working together for our good. I thank you. Just start saying that. But you know the reason many people will not say that? I don't feel like saying that. What do you feel like doing that time? Complaining. How do you want to overcome the world when you can't overcome your emotions? 
I mean, somebody reads First John 5, 4, and say, well, we are overcoming the world. And God is like, you know what? Just try and overcome your emotions of anger. Let's start from there first. Just leave the world alone. It's, it's amazing how we want to do mighty things for God, but we don't even want to conquer the little things in our life. We want to do, oh God, we, oh God, use me. Use me to reach millions. I want to reach the whole world for Christ. The person who wants to reach the whole world for Christ walks past his neighbor who is not born again every single day, but he wants to reach a man in London for Christ. Praise God. Okay, where was I? By this we know that we've come to know him. He will keep his commandments. Verse 4. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. A liar is not a good word. <laughs> the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So you cannot, leave, you cannot say you love God and disregard his commandments. Are you following this now? You cannot say, I love God. Let's, let's, let's look at a simple commandment like this, right? Let no filthy word or coerced joke come out of your mouth. That's, that's a New Testament commandment. My love for God is how I use my tongue. Let's look at forgiveness. How many times should we forgive? Jesus tells us. Let's look at walking in love. Let's look at, I mean, mercy, justice, and all that. Okay. But whoever keeps his word, in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. Whoever does what? Keep his word. By this, we know that we're in him. So John talks about love, obeying the commandments, the union of God and man. And I mean, very sound theology. Now verse 6. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Wow. If you say you abide in him, you will have to work in the same manner that Jesus walked. So who is your standard? Jesus. That's your standard. It says, I mean, it's simple. That's what the word of God says. You know, we're just humans. We're just, uh, what did they say now? Uh, nobody's perfect. He gave you his seed. He gave you his seed. Praise God. You know, um, yesterday we had all this technical stuff going on and we couldn't, you know, start on time. So, uh, someone sent me a feedback about the meeting. And we're like, oh, no, we had this technical stuff and the sound was okay. We really enjoyed the message. But then the person puts, but I know you will not, you know, because I know you always like your things 100% perfect. Now, come and think of it like, everybody around me knows that when it comes to whatever we do in church, I want it 100% perfect. I want zero mistakes on it. Right. Now, that's me expecting that of my team. Expecting that of the gadgets we work with. That's what God is expecting of you. God is expecting you to walk in the way that he works. That's it. God is your role model. He's your mentor. Why? His seed is in you. You have the capacity. You have the capacity to love like God, to forgive like God, to work miracles like God. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You know, I was thinking of this, even in my own life, it, I mean, it's a big challenge. You know when we read like, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, they shall take up deadly things, they shall not hurt them. Somehow we have a way of avoiding and they will raise the dead. Right? No, read to that place. When we read, they will raise the dead. Our mind is just like, yeah, we know, but 
Right? We need to grow in our consciousness. That that's part of our the great commission. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay. Are you still here? Let's read on. Maybe I'm going to stop here and then we'll start with overcoming in the evening. But let's, let's look at, let's continue here now. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. So the words that we're, he- we're hearing or we have heard are the commandment. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he's in the light <coughs> and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. So he says, if you say you're in the light, but you hate your brother. He says you're still in darkness because we can't only measure the amount of light you have in your life through your love work. And somebody said, <coughs> I thought we were talking about faith. Your faith will not work without love. You cannot overcome the world if you cannot overcome hatred in your heart. These are things we need to start with. Because <coughs> these things are the things that Form the orderly arrangement of things. That's what the word world means in the Greek, cosmos, the orderly arrangement of things. There is a way the system of the world is designed. The system of the world is designed, is built on revenge, is built on vengeance, is built on loss, is built on pride. Praise God. So when you're able to overcome these things, you would overcome the world. And I'll explain that when we get there. But the one who hates his brothers in darkness. <laughs> Praise God. And walks in darkness. And does not know where he's going. Because the darkness has blinded his eyes. What is the darkness that has blinded his eyes? Right here. Hate. <clears throat> that hatred in his heart for his brother will lead him to begin to do things that you'll just ask yourself. So what is wrong? What's wrong with this one? The same thing with hatred. The same thing with lust. Someone has lost. They will begin to do all kinds of things and you wonder what is wrong with this? Can this person see? You're standing on the outside and you're like, can this person see? No. The lust has blinded their eyes. The hate has blinded their eyes. What, that's what sin does. Sin blinds the eyes of men so they cannot see and know what they're doing. Praise God. Now look at this one. Mm. Verse 12. Talking about little children again. I'm writing to you little children because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. So, it deals with the concept of sin among babes. It deals with the concept of sin among babes. It says, your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. What's his name's sake? Jesus, for the sake of Jesus. Now, follow me here. I'm writing to you fathers, <clears throat> glory to God, because you know him who has been from the beginning. So, look at this. He talks about little children. Look at this category now. It's very important. He talks about little children, right? Then he talks about their sins are forgiven. So when he's dealing with the baby stage of Christianity, is that stage still dealing with forgiveness of sin? Sin issue. Oh, today you repent. Tomorrow you repent. Babe. Then when he talks about fathers, he talks about knowledge. Look at this. He says, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him. You know him. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know God. 
you're not, you're not in that dimension of dealing with sin anymore. You're pressing on into the knowledge of God. For they that know their God shall be strong and shall do exploits. The, 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 the proof of our maturity is our knowledge of God. And our knowledge of God is expressed in our love for the brethren. And our love for obeying the commands of God. Praise God. Okay. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. So the young men, now this is a character, this is not, um, how do I put it now? This is not biological categorization. This is spiritual categorization. Little children deal with sins all the time. Forgive my sin, I repent, I cry to God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Young men are in that state of overcoming the evil one, dealing with the evil one. Fathers are in the state of knowing God. That's, that's the whole that three dimension there. Since I'm writing to you young men, so you'll overcome the evil one. I've written to you children because you know the Father. And that reading to you children because you know the Father is what is going to expedite your growth. So children, your sins are forgiven. And children, you know the Father. And as you know the Father and grow in that knowledge of the Father, you become a father because the Father has known Him from the beginning. You, you see, our growth in God comes from the knowledge of the Father. And, 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 I, and, and, and I like the fact that He uses the word Father because... It is in knowing our Father, we know who we are. In knowing God, you know yourself. You know who you are in Christ. You know your abilities in Christ. You know what Christ has done for you. That's why studying the Word of God actually is learning more about yourself. Learning more about what you can do. Learning more about what Christ has for you. Learning about the mind of your Father for you. It's like, it's like you have a Father who left a document and say, In studying this document, you know me. And many people don't have time for it. They know about many things, but they don't know the Father. And so people are confused about God. Praise God. People are confused about God. Now look at this. Verse what now? Uh, 14. I've written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. <clears throat> Glory to God. I've written to you, young men, because you're strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. How do you overcome the evil one? The word of God abiding in you. The word of God abiding in you. Glory to God. Then we're going to come up, come up here. Do not love the world. Nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world. The love of the father is not in him. He says do not love the world. Neither the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is what it means. You cannot, and I said this yesterday, you cannot overcome what you love. You cannot overcome what you love. The concept of overcoming is to subdue, to conquer, to dominate, to have the victory over. If you are in love with something, you cannot overcome it. That's why, let me say this now. In talking about the concept of sin, the Bible says that if a man falls into temptation, it's, it's, it's because a man is drawn away by his own lust. The reason people struggle with sin a lot and find it difficult to overcome, it's very simple. They love that sin. Any sin you don't like, easy to overcome. Easy to overcome. That's why the devil will never tempt you with what you do not like. Your temptation is always in the area of your strength. I give, I give, I give, I give, um, 
I give, I give an example, very simple example, right? I mean, I know this washed all over, so people have different, but this is just an example, whatever you make of it. Um, I, I grew up fundamentally in a Christian home, so I never tasted alcohol. I don't know how alcohol tastes and all of that. And if there are people who, um, who maybe struggled with alcoholism before they came to Christ. Now, it's very easy. I can never be tempted by alcohol because it just doesn't make sense to me. Right? Now, because that thing is not there, the love of that thing is not there, it's never been there, it's hard for that to become a temptation. So, but if you have someone, for instance, who was an alcoholic and repented and is better, when they see alcohol, there's something that would almost look like a temptation and pull them. The scriptures is saying this, temptations always come from that area, that thing in you. So, whatever you know that you're struggling with on your inside, you have to deal with it. Praise God. You have to deal with it. You have to deal with it. Praise God. Now go to First John chapter 4 verse 4. And let's close there now. Thank you Lord Jesus. First John 4 4. Praise God. Hallelujah. You are of God. Little children. You are of God. That word you are of means you hail from God. You came from him. You are of God little children. And have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you. Than he that is in the world. Now, the reason we can overcome the world is because the one in us is greater than the one that is in the world. The greater one is on the inside of us. And we must have that consciousness. There's absolutely nothing in your life right now that you cannot overcome. Praise the name of the Lord. All right. Praise God. In the evening, we're going to deal with... Um, we're going to talk about overcoming... And, and, and some things about the pride of life and some of those stuff. And then we're going to finish up on Sunday. Praise God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank you. We thank you because we've got the faith of God on our inside. And I just pray for everyone today. That the blessing of God will rest upon their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. All right, so... I'll see you all by 6.30, 7.30. We're going to have our evening section, and we'll just keep building on this. So make sure you invite your friends, and uh, so we're going to have a good time. Amen. Praise God. for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or you can call 0805 888 7575 God bless you.